passion, drive, and patience. The formula of winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything for you to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has it covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP it needs to be and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Again, ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach pod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene product. Don't be the guy at the beach with Austin Powers chest hair. And maybe you've grown some winter man tits. At least you can make them hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off in free shipping with my promo code Bubba. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full-body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the essential lawnmower 4.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're trimming your chest or your treasure chest in your pant, doesn't matter. This is the best trimmer on the market. Inside the performance package, you're going to find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, and Moisturizer. Because we all know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. Nobody likes nose hairs, so their package comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 as well. You're also going to get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, about a $39 value, and the patented high-performance Reduced Chafing Manscaped Boxers. And if you're wearing sandals, you're going to need to get the Manscaped Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. Having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off in free shipping with promo code Bubba at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off in free shipping with promo code Bubba at Manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles at Manscaped.com. Escape.com, promo code Bubba. We are here and we are fam- We are qu- Can't say it. Welcome to the Anna Hummel Show. More me. I'm sure many of you are thrilled. Well, I guess you would be thrilled if you're listening to my show. Otherwise, just X out. Go watch your cat videos. 81390Bubba. We'd like to call in and have a chat. I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't relieved. Um, Sorry, Rhett, if I said things I didn't mean when I was stressed. I, I didn't mean them. It was my mistake. I'll be with you probably for the next, you know, I always say like, I'm going to make it a short show and I never do because I get talking and I can't, I can't stop. That's the problem is I, I like, I like to talk and I like to talk about the things that I find interesting. And some of you, um, some of you, some of us are on the same page in terms of geopolitics and in terms of our interests, it's not that we have to agree on everything, but we like talking about things that we perceive matter and things that we value. And, um, you know, this isn't a this isn't a sports show. That's not really my interest. But if you do like talking about longevity and uh, geopolitical terror, then this is the show for you. You know, um, if you if you want to lose some weight via intermittent fasting or you want to talk about problems going on in Ukraine, China, Russia, the United States. I am I'm here for it. I certainly am. And I really was trying for the last two days not to make the show exclusively about the conflict in the Middle East, because I mean, even at a certain point for myself, I have to just I have to turn it off. It's like, okay, no more. I need to watch something dumb. I need to watch people eating donuts. I need to just uh, watch something to kind of to kind of take away that feeling of dread and terror because, you know, like, even though I think it's important, and, and this isn't just, this isn't uh, empirical, this is just, like, subjectively how I feel. I think it's important to educate yourself 
and to be in the know and keep your uh, a slight hand, uh, you know, on the pulse of things going on. Not always. It is certainly vital and very important to take a step back sometimes and not just be, you know, a, a drone to your phone, a drone to the news, um, because that has can have some deleterious effects on you know, just mental health and well-being. And I talk to people who I'm very close with who, you know, used to spend more time combing through the news and they've really taken a step back, whether it be because they had a job change or they uh, made um, an, uh, like a, a concerted effort to not be just a zombie to the news and they're happier for it. You know, um, there's most news that we consume is not good news. It's rare that something is in the news that we can all rally behind. And even though I want to just hate on the the dumbness of people just going ape shit over Taylor Swift dating the football guy who was irrelevant before she came along. Just kidding. I know that's uh, that'll trigger some guys out there. Um. Even though I, I think that that's dumb, that that's what our society cares about, I also get that it's it's a beautiful escape from not only our own problems, but the world's problems is to kind of indulge into something silly, but just knowing that it is kind of silly, you know, because for me, when after I watched like almost three hours of news relating to Iran, to Israel, to Hamas, to Iraq, like I was doing like a full Middle East update sometimes i go back in history i'm like let me look up at some al-qaeda stuff just to refresh and you know if maybe we're talking about something in the news about saudi arabia and it's like okay maybe i should just do uh an osama bin laden refresh uh bin laden family refresh a little bit um because i think it's interesting and it's certainly in recent history in recent memory and a lot of the issues that we deal with today are uh are remnants of the past the not so distant past so I think it's important to kind of to refresh. And um, I also understand that that things like come and go through the public sp- sphere of compassion and and caring and concern. And it was like an odd thing to be like, not that we got over 9-11. I, I, I don't want to say that, but there was a time where 9-11 was in the news every single day for years. Um, 9-11 Commission. Obviously, the attacks, the stories from survivors, the stories from people who, who who lost family members and friends. And then that subsided. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. You know, obviously, it's never forget. But society needs to, to, to move forward, to push forward. It's always about, like, you know, absolutely identifying a problem, talking about an issue, but but moving forward. And, and then oftentimes that is incurring or dealing with a new problem. You know, it's really hard to care a lot about COVID, Ukraine, um, uh, the fentanyl crisis, Israel at the same time. So you go through, you know, as Bubba says, Evans and flows, you know. Oh, shit, it's Brian from Philly. $20. Thank you so much. Thank I appreciate that, Brian. Even if it's a lie, it's a kind gesture. I I, I tried my best. It's it's not easy to fill Bubba's shoes, and I'm not saying I even did, but I just kind of kept the... Kept the ship afloat is was the goal, you know, not to bring you the same level of entertainment as the one and only Bubba Love Sponge can do, who will be back Monday, who's at a wedding in Vegas. He instructed, that was the only thing he told me. He's like, listen, bitch, every time you come back from break, you better say that this is the Bubba the Love Sponge show. It's not the program. And also tell him I'm in Vegas and then I'll be back on Monday every single fucking time you come back from break. And I said... Aye, aye, Captain. Absolutely. So I made sure that, you know, because people are listening in, tuning in, and, and, you know, all the time coming in and out. So you need to remind the people where he is and tell new people, you know, that he will be back, that he's not gone, he's not dead, um, and everything is A-OK. 81390-Bubba. So, uh, yeah, the... This conflict has been weighing heavy on my mind. Um, and this isn't like a, a plea to feel sorry for me or anything like that. It's I almost, I almost feel guilty that I, I, I can't do more um, and not sure like what exactly I can do. And it was it was a weird sensation to like want to feel connected to that community, the Jewish community, because I feel like. I feel like I turned my back on them um, so many years ago. 
But and it's not like I completely threw the baby out with the bath water. It was it was hard because once you you leave the community, um, you, you stop going to synagogue. There's really no, you know, I've pretty much lived away from family since I was in college, with the exception of of a few maybe a year and a half. So I really haven't been around a, a large Jewish community. Although in Sydney I was, but that was more of like a conduit to find contacts and friends. I did go to a few Shabbat dinners, but it was mostly for the challah bread. Let's be real. You know, I, I, I decided not to, um, not to indulge and engage in any sort of Jewish cultural rituals or anything here and there. I might light a menorah or something like that. Um, but I really don't, I, I don't subscribe to anything like that. I certainly feel closer to people who are, you know, fans of Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and like discussing things like religion and geopolitics and are rational free thinkers, maybe oftentimes libertarians. I feel uh, closer to those people who are advocates for evolution. <laughs> that's more of my tribe than um, just kind of because I feel like that's a conscious choice, right? Like I, I have these interests, I have these ideas, beliefs and values, and I find similar people, whatever color they are i don't really care but they have minds similar to mine in in terms of like how they operate and how they face problems and how they analyze things and to me like that is more significant than just a shared bloodline you know which i didn't choose which chose me you know i didn't choose that life it chose me this seems to be more of a conscious choice when i decide to feel like uh more connected to a community like the jujitsu community where we have a shared interest in this sport and we're willing to put ourselves through a lot of shit to get better. You're going to look dumb. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get bruised up. You're going to be humbled. And we're kind of all on this journey together. That's a choice. That's a conscious choice to do that. Um, so I feel close to those people. And you, you really feel, I'm not comparing it to war, obviously, but you're really in the trenches with these people when you're getting, you know, just fucking hammered and choked and, um, I, you know, I say all those things, but it, I, it's been one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given is to be able to train with these people and to learn from them and also to not to not quit. Although I didn't go for the last two days, was just not feeling it, wanted to make sure I got adequate sleep, which kind of happened, but didn't because I went to bed really late last night. But I did take a two hour nap in the middle of the day. Um, I'm just kind of all out of sorts. I ate half a chocolate cake yesterday. Uh, it was a small cake, but I still ate half of it and it was really fucking good. And thank you, Blitz, for getting for me. All right, let's take some calls. Uh, hello, who's this? Hey, Anna, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Not too bad. Okay. Anna, this is Chad. Believe it or not, yesterday was the first time I've called in to the morning show. Okay. And um, I've been listening to Bubba since I moved from New York. Mm -hmm. Since 1994. Damn. And I, 30 years I next year. I, yeah, I usually listen, and I'm a big Bubba fan anytime I go and I see him. But I don't like to call in, but I was just overwhelmed because of the Israeli the stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I called in yesterday because, in my opinion, I think Bubba's assembled the best crew um, in, since he's been on radio. I, I appreciate love that. the chemistry between you guys. Yeah. Um, Brian can be a little swarmy. Yeah. But the reason, <laughs> the reason I called in was because he was talking over Lum. <clears throat> yeah. Lummy was, had the facts and Lummy was given him the facts mm -hmm. and he was speaking like the squad. And yeah, I, I mean, Brian's really articulate. So even if he is wrong or incorrect, and he's also a lawyer, so he knows how to flim flam in a way that, you know, Lummy doesn't. Yeah, and, and Lummy, I, I, you know, everybody say, you know, Bubba, you know, we make jokes. I, I think Lummy's a very smart guy. Lummy is not um, is not as dumb as everyone makes him out to be. I will I will tell you that. I've had some conversations with Lummy where I was like, oh, well. You know, there are pockets of things where he knows a lot about, you know, whether it be sports, the Bible, World War Two and uh, the fish market and bees. He knows a lot about bees and, and pollinating. Yes, he does. Yeah. And I just wanted to apologize because um, 
I should have give credit to the entire show because you guys did such an awesome job without Bubba, and um, I'm sure he's proud of you guys. I hope There's so. Guys or just I not really angry. Need. I'll take not angry. He doesn't even need to be proud. Just not upset. I will. That's all I need from him. No, I think he will be proud. <laughs> okay. all right, you guys good. did awesome. You guys did awesome. And just to let you know, there's only two people that I miss from the old Bubba show. Yeah. It's one and the only Blitz. Yeah. And I miss me a little bit of Brent. Okay. The other ones, I really don't care for. Okay. Um, but That's fair. I think you guys are, are doing good a eggs. hell of a job. Thank you. And and um, keep, keep up the good work. I appreciate that, Chad. Thank you for calling in. Thank, thank you. All right. Probably, God bless. And keep listening to you. God bless you, too. Thank you. What's up? Yo, 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 yo. It's the homie with a little baloney, clocking the hose, fat dog in the pocket, say it. Is this Florida Stanley? On a homeless show, the Super Bowl. Oh, shit. Because the Florida Stanley thought, thought, said he was going to call in, so that's why I was I had him on the brain. Oh, Joe, the supermarket. I, I sense it. I no, because he, he said calling. it during the main show. He wanted to chit-chat before he goes to Tokyo. Yeah, speaking of the main show, I do have to apologize, even though I promised it had absolutely nothing to do with me. But for the first time in history, yeah. there was a faulty phone line. Something crazy was going on, because as soon as Dr. Dan started talking, yeah, you I couldn't hear shit. No. Ah! My show's starting! It's okay. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Sorry, Joe. You've been inter- interrupted by a next gen, but that's okay. That's good. No, I love me. next gen. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. You should pull up as the one. I know you can't, but one yeah. of these days, you got to hear some of my clips on there. Yeah. There was one time I was high as hell on Angel Dust, and I was at WWF in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm. And Bubba was, it was during the holidays, so Bubba was doing nighttime shows. Yeah. So I called him up live on Twitch, and I didn't even know what was going on. We were talking back and forth. Angel Dust had given me like a devil voice. I didn't oh, no. I hate when that so, happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. So I'm, I'm in the middle of saying something, and then the one, two, three happened, and John Cena won, and I went ballistic, and I was yelling and screaming about John Cena, and then they turned the lights on as people were filing out. I started cussing out with all the marks and swearing at them loud, live on the air, and then I looked down, and there was a little girl in a tiny little pink fluffy jacket, and I go, and you, the little girl in the little pink jacket, and then I put the dump button down, and that was hot right at the time, but. That's not why I called. I called okay. number one to apologize for that goofy nonsense that happened That's this right. morning. That I, I, I never get the chance to talk to Dr. Dan ever. I know. So I really wanted to pick his brain on that situation, and I was so excited because the one thing I wanted to ask him was about CO2 levels because that's what made me an R in the past. I've been in the hospital more times intubated because of my CO2 levels because I was using a faulty CPAP machine to sleep Oh, with. the pat-pat. So, yeah, so I didn't know if, if that's what it was because they couldn't figure out nothing. So when they do that, they do an arterial, arterial blood draw on okay. your wrist. Do you ever have that? Oh, a what? Have you ever, arterial blood draw out of your wrist? Out of my wrist? I No, yeah, yeah. I had a blood test. Oh, my God. A blood test, but no, I, I no, never had that. Yeah, so we know when they do blood tests, they just do a little prick and then they take your blood yeah, and it's all yeah. This is like stabbing a sharp razor blade oh! flash knife directly into your wrist, right? You know, right, right in that I know where the wrist right is. There. Yep. Thank you. I well, get it. One little part. Oh, my God. It hurts so much. And they have to do that multiple times. That's how they get okay. my A1C. Okay. And then that's how they test your blood glasses for, or blood glasses for CO2. But on a lighter note, today in history, October 13th, 1997, Bubba the Love Sponge wrestled the Texas Hangman. No way. On, on Nitro. You really before, are a supermarket. Holy shit. Well, check it out. I want to get you on the next level because if you go to Bubba's Twitter right now, you can pull up a picture and you can see him. Oh, did he post it? No I've been on Twitter today. Yeah. yeah. Well, based on, on what you were saying where we want to talk about fat people and squishing donuts and all that stuff, Yeah, that would just bring such a lighthearted spirit to you and put a smile on your face. I guarantee it. I bet it will. And I will check it out after the show most certainly. I'm excited when you do, and, and everybody's already set up, but you already know. Great job. Thank and, you. And to all the haters that say fire Anna and whatnot, <laughs> this is in their face. If Anna wasn't here, who would be the one hosting the show? That's a great question. And I don't think any of those assholes have an answer, so. 
because not only did you step up, but you also did an awesome job. You made both days fly by, and that's primarily, I know a lot of people have different reasons why I listen to the show. Yeah. I listen to the show because I love it, but it also makes the morning go by. Without the show, time is just going to slowly drag on mm. in my situation. We can't have that. Right. So God right. bless you, sweetheart. Thank you so much. God bless. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Hello? Ah, that's Florida Stanley. There he is. What's going on, man? So you're going to Tokyo. Yeah, so, you know, like, people, certain people, like, impulse buy? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I impulse vacation. (laughs) I think that's awesome. Uh, I'm I'm on a plane at least every two months, if not every month, for for most of the part. Um, I got family in Ohio, and I just travel around. And, like, that whole Colorado Springs thing, that was, like, a impulse thing. I booked it like a week and a half before I actually went. Yeah. Um, so this whole thing with Tokyo, it started with, with Hanabi, that Japanese female band. The, the oh, yeah, band. yeah, the trick band, yep. So, I yeah, so they were, that I went, I wasn't just in Colorado Springs to see the Dropout Kings. They were playing too, and I've been wanting to see them for a while. So it just worked out. Well, that venue, I don't know if you remember, but I told you there was only like three or 400 people there. It was a mm-hmm. tiny little dive, you know, metal bar. So I, I want to go to one of their big shows. And I looked up their tour dates, and I've been wanting to go to Tokyo for probably 20 years now. So I looked. And you've up never been to Japan so, before, is that right? No, I, I spent three weeks in China a few years ago, but I have not been to Japan. Okay. So, um, but I have been in a lot of a- other Asian countries. Um, so, uh, I looked up their tour dates, and they're playing in Tokyo, an 8,000-person venue with Limp Biscuit. On my birthday. Whoa. And when is your birthday? November 20th. Oh, it's the same as Biden's and Krista Diaco's. Yes. Mm. Um, so I was like, this, uh, like Limp Bizkit, I've been listening to them since I was in sixth grade. I didn't know the and band then, members were still alive. I'm like, how is Fred Durst? Is he no, alive no, and Fred, well? He, you have got to look up recent pictures of him in concert. I'm, he like. Looks like shit. He dresses like an 80-year-old dude, and okay. he does it on purpose just to oh. fuck with people. It's hilarious. In concert. I got to check this out right now. He wears, like, khaki, uh, uh, an overcoat, uh, red really... fucking Jimmy Buffett sunglasses. Let's like, see. it's hilarious. I need to see this. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, I fuck so, with this. It, so... He's playing with Hanabi at an 8,000, a huge venue where they're going to have like lasers and pyro and all sorts of shit in like, it's right outside of downtown Tokyo. So I was like, fuck yeah. And that lines up with Thanksgiving. So I can take like almost two weeks off of work. Okay. Thanksgiving week, it's kind of slow. So I'm going out there for nine days. Excellent. Well, that's going to be awesome. Um, I've Have you been to Japan? No, I've I've never been to Japan. I I, I want to say I'd love to go, but it's definitely not even on like my my top 10 places of of, of places to visit. You know, I I really want to go to the Mediterranean. Like really 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 bad. I really want to go see uh Greece. Greece is a big one for me. Italy, Malta, okay. Croatia. Like that region intrigues me. And um, okay. and and then I'd probably maybe hit up South America if I felt safe enough. Like yeah, like Dan was talking about going to the Galapagos. That'd be cool. I could I could see me doing that sort of stuff. Maybe maybe a trip to Alaska at some point. And then maybe down the line, you know, maybe number eleven or twelve, we can we could throw Japan in there. But um, I hear it's a fucking weird place, man. I remember talking to this guy who uh, he was this older gentleman. He used to frequent a, an embassy suites I worked at in Detroit. And I don't even remember the fuck his name, what his name was. It started with a W, like Winfred. It was something weird. It was German. And he he's like, yeah, I've been all over the world. And I was like, really? I'm like, where you been? Or, or I said, what's like, what's the most bizarre place that you've been? He's like, the only place I haven't really been able to figure out is Japan. He's like, and I lived there. He said he lived there. And he was just like, it just. What the was his co- reasoning? I think it was just like the culture was so much different than what he was used to. Like there was some commonality between America and Germany or between America or Germany and Australia, say, or uh, other yeah. places in the West. But he, he just said that fucking like the Japanese culture was so intricate and so different and so weird 
to him, like really foreign, that it took him a long time to try to like quote figure it out, even though he lived there. Okay. He was also like a big, a fat, white, bald and, guy, so he stuck out. So you know, maybe they were treating him kind of weird too. Yeah. Well, I've had, I had a couple friends that have been over there for an extended period of time. One of them was military. Yeah. Uh, so he was there for like six months. The other one was there for a month. It wasn't military. He was just there to, to fuck off on vacation. But both of them said that, I mean, yes, yeah, strange, but in a good way. Both of yeah. them said that the Japanese culture people, they're just, they're super nice. They try and help. Not a lot of them speak English. So they try and like, they'll pull your phone, they'll grab your phone and they'll like use the translator app to communicate with you. Yeah. And they're like, they're trying to help you out and any different way they can yeah but they said it was weird but in a good way yeah maybe they're just assuming you're american and they don't want to get bombed again so like hey please <laughs> stop hey well, we're I'm cool really, i'm really excited to go yeah. yeah the concert obviously the concert's only one night but i was like well if it's near thanksgiving mm-hmm. and it's my birthday i'm gonna go for as long Do as it. i can which ended up being about nine days and Perfect. Then, yeah, i'm staying in a hotel in downtown tokyo and uh Okay, I thought it was coming up like and... I thought you were leaving on Monday or something crazy. No, 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 next month, next month, next month, right? Yeah, gotcha. Next month, yeah, gotcha. And then, uh, oh, if you want to, if you, so I, I've been all over the world as well, and I always like trying like weird food and shit. Yeah, that, like you can't get in the U.S. Like when mm. I was in China, I ate scorpions. I'm sure you can do that in the U.S., but it's not common. Um, but so if you look up this video, it's 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 frog sushi. They basically gut the frog and they put it on a plate in front of you. The frog is still alive while you're eating its internals. And it's, it's on the plate staring at you, watching you eat it. There's a, there's a video in, 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 of a restaurant in Japan that does this. And I think I'm going to try it. I mean, you know, I'm a vegetarian, right? (laughs) You know, I can't get on board. I mean, listen, if you want to eat meat or or eat things I'm not for you to try it but just like look up the video and No, I don't like watching it. videos of animals getting eaten while they're alive. That seems like some next level shit. Although I have watched that. I think it was also in Japan, maybe China. It was one of those and you it was like this restaurant where you go like downstairs and you choose which like baby octopus you want to eat. And then they put it in a soup and then you go upstairs, which is the restaurant, and you sit down and you just slurp up and chew on a live fucking baby octopus. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm changing the channel here. Octopus, but I'm not a big fan of octopus. Well, I've tried not, eel. I, not I a fan. A Actually, it wasn't stuff. bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With your eel thing. Yeah. That was a accidental eel uh, episode. Um, which seems actually, silly actually now to get feeling. so to get so upset about, but I, uh, I, you know, I'm still mad about it when I think about it. And every time I I talk or, or text Jennifer, she always brings it up, and I'm like, oh god, it makes me mad all over again. I'll <laughs> well, never get over that. Her, by the way, and schedule that Botox for the 27th. Yeah, um, I need Botox right. myself. Well, yep, I'm gonna self edit, and I'll see you on the 27th. All right, sir. Uh, thank you for calling in. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. All right, see you in a little bit. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Uh, Japan's a weird place. I feel like it's, I think it's one of the most homogenous uh, societies on the planet. And I want to say homogenous, um, a, a homogenous place that people actually want to go to. You know, like maybe Yemen's really homogenous, but no one wants to, you know, no one wants to vacation in Yemen. Um, which is a shame because, and I heard, uh, I think his name is Andrew Bustamante. He's a ex-CIA operative and he was talking about like how it is so sad that so many like incredibly um or incredible cultural places are just completely off limits because of policy their government sucks or whatnot like he was talking about what was it like north korean like dancing you know or persian iranian essentially uh, architecture he's like it's beautiful it's stunning and nobody can go see it because iran fucking sucks i don't know how else to say it um it is it's it's strange though i find with iranians and i know many of them because my best friend from back home is persian and so you know i I picked up a, a few farsi words here and there after you know the course of being friends with her for over 20 years and um i've i've really never seen a disconnect between like people who have left the country and the country itself like 
most Iranians that left Iran are fucking secular. I've yet to meet one that was really Muslim at all. They're very westernized. They all went to school in America. Uh, highly educated. The women too. Like all of them have like fucking masters and PhDs and shit. Um, and they've really embraced Western culture and a Western way of living. And the, the only thing that the remains is essentially like I- Iranian culture. And that's not and Iranians are not Arabic, by the way. They're not Arab and they don't speak Arabic. They speak Farsi. So it is interesting that they preserve that part of their culture, but it's completely separate from Islam. At least, again, the, the many uh, Iranians, the many Persians I knew in San Diego and the many I knew in Santa Barbara who were mostly from L.A., that's. Um, that's kind of like what, what, what their shtick was is they were not Muslim, but they definitely had like the Persian new year. And there were a few other like holidays that were very specific, like, like a Thanksgiving uh, would be for America. Like that's not like a Christian holiday. It's like an American holiday sort of thing. Oh shit. Mike Durbin. 50, uh, 49 99, but I'll round it up to $50. Thank you so much. So much for your continued support. Uh, very much appreciated. I got to make that sh- money, especially for the bubs. It's nice for him to come back, look at the books and go, okay, the, the, the boys and girls did well without me. So I appreciate you, Mike, very, very much. And Brian from Philly as well. 81390Bubba. But um, oh, where was it? Oh, the Iranians. Yeah, the Persians. Yeah, they love nice things. They love Audis. Uh, they love BB, which I don't know if that's even a brand anymore, but all of my Persian friends, when I was shopping at Wet Seal like a jobber, they would shop at BB because they were fancy pants um, and they liked glitter and they liked uh, the like diamonds. They liked kind of more like gaudy shit, as my Armenian friend calls it, um, Gaddafi chic. She's like, yeah, they're very, you know, Gaddafi chic sort of a thing. But the, I, I've never really seen a disconnect like that with any other kind of group of people where, you know, they're proud people where they come from. But they're like, the government's got it totally wrong. We don't support any shit that they're doing. A lot of the Persians that left, you know, many are Jews, some are Christians, some are Muslim. But like, so my best friend from back home, when she came back, uh, not when she came back, she was born in fucking Chicago, but whatever. When her parents left Tehran and moved to the States... I remember like having a conversation with her grandparents when we were kids. I'm like, so are you guys like Muslim? And they're like, no, we're a uh, Zoroastrian. And I'm like, oh, damn, like that's a real that's a throwback for sure. You know, before the uh, they were conquered by I'm assuming the Ottoman Empire. But don't quote me on that. I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, so one of the most religious countries in the world. I mean, the people that have left, you know. None of them that I have met, I know there are some, but almost none of them are really deeply religious. Usually see that from more from places like Saudi Arabia or Lebanon or something like that. But the Iranians that left are fucking, they're driving Audis, they're shopping at BB, gas. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get when you're talking through Mint Mobile. I mean, I can't believe that I've been living some other life with all this scratchy mobile when I can get crystal clear and the best mobile through Mint Mobile. And I can do it all for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. I can afford this. How much have I been paying on my other plan? Probably getting gouged. But it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plan. I mean, I'm talking jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Say goodbye to all that nonsense. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with a premium wireless plan starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com forward slash Bubba. That's mintmobile.com forward slash B-U-B-B-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com forward slash Bubba. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to 15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plans. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Just making shit ton of money. <clears throat> um, yes. 813-90-BUBBA. Oh, man. I don't really... Feel free to call in about the Israeli-Palestinian thing because we're getting live updates. I was watching what I thought was live footage from Gaza um, like a, just a, a YouTube video with like a live feed, but I, I don't think it was live because it was dark when it was dark here. And I'm like, I know it's fucking light outside. But uh, of what we know now, I think that Israel has told the Palestinians in the northern part of Gaza to vacate and move south because they're about to level the northern part of the Gaza Strip, which, by the way, for reference is 25 miles long and six miles wide. So that's the amount of space um, that is the Gaza Strip. And within that space, it's pretty densely populated. I want to say 2.1, 2.2 million people. I mean, I don't know if that's like that now. Um, But as you all know, they've all, the Israelis have cut off the water, the fuel, the energy from Gaza, telling people to leave, you know, if they can to the best of their ability. and again, like oftentimes Hamas says, nope, y'all just fucking stay where you are and ignore the the calls of the Israelis to, to leave. Because it seems like, again, Israeli, the Israeli forces and the Israeli government are more interested in preserving Palestinian lives than Hamas is. And that obviously is a, um, a major problem. And I've tried to look at, you know, situations where things turned around and this seems to be one where I, I don't know if that's possible. You know, it, it seems it's, it's, it's a very dire situation when you think that the only solution is, I mean, I feel like I have to say now the final solution. Yeah. You know, when, when you feel like you have to like eradicate people completely and you know, how do you uh, unindoctrinate, kids who've been told to hate a a certain group of people basically from birth like how do you undo that and i think the answer is you really can't you know um exposure therapy i mean again they they wouldn't allow for that they don't they don't want to humanize the other side and i'm not going to say that that's every palestinian i've met many palestinians and it's funny like whenever i meet someone and i can see that they're from the Middle East. I often try to guess. It's a fun game for me. Um, and a lot of times they're Palestinian. And there's always this like laugh I do. I'm like, <laughs> like this awkward laugh. And uh, depending on who they are, like I might say like, oh, we're neighbors, you know, like I was born in Israel and sometimes they're cool about it. Rarely they're not. But especially when you meet them here in the States. I mean, you know, we're, we're both American here, but there obviously are deep ties to the region. Uh, I met a guy who was a friend of a friend in when I went to Brooklyn. We went to New York back in May, and it was a in, a bit of an awkward exchange. He, you know, said he was Palestinian, and I made a joke about the Jews, and like he like ran with it in a weird way. And listen, like if I make the joke and you run with it, I can't fucking. I made the joke, like I take responsibility for it, but. You know, I felt the need to, to come back and be like, yo, I'm, I'm Jewish, though, so don't take it too far, Mr. Nazi Pants. And he said something about it, uh, said something about Israel. And it wasn't like hostile or anything. And he goes, no, 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 like, I'm not an anti-Semite. Like, he's like, I, I love Jews. I have lots of friends that are Jews. I'm Palestinian, but like, a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are Jews. I mean, you have to. You live in New York. But he goes, I'm just anti-Zionist. And I just looked at him and I'm like, Let's just keep drinking. Like we were at a nightclub. I was there to see my friend Vana. He was friends with Vana, and I just looked at him. The music's bl- I mean, Fifty Cent is blasting. They were playing all the like the hits from like the two thousand, the early two thousands. So it was really like a it was a millennial stronghold. I could feel, 
And I was like, let's just keep drinking because it's I don't want to talk about that now. I was already about two and a half drinks deep. So I'm like, I'm not I'm not trying to yell over, you know, jaw rule about uh, geopolitical issues. And we're obviously going to get into a fight about it. So trying to avoid that. But I would say that most people. When you meet them, especially outside of the hotbed of the region, and they are the other. So maybe you are Indian and you meet a Paki person, or you are a Hutu and you meet a Tutsi or whatever, or you're Jew per you're a Jew person, or you're Jewish and you meet a Muslim. You know, outside of that region, it's like, fuck, you're just another person, man. You're just a human being like me who wants the exact same thing, that just wants to be able to do what you want to do be left alone and be free to do it. And that's why we're here. And that's why we live in America. Although there are some Americans that that are self-hating Americans, which I, for the life of me, please leave. Like, just please get the fuck out because everybody wants to be here. Not everybody. A lot of people want to be here. You know, America gets a lot of shit, but why is it the case that millions of people are pouring into the border. Maybe it's to hurt us. Maybe that's it, obviously. But there are a lot of people who are, I believe, you know, genuinely looking for a better life than where they came from, wherever that may be, whether it's Guatemala or Nicaragua or Haiti or wherever the fuck that they're from, America is better. And I know that, and I'm very, you know proud American, as I think most people should be. That doesn't that doesn't mean that you don't call out the flaws of America because no no place is perfect. And America makes mistakes and sometimes it does bad things. Like sometimes they're not mistakes. Sometimes they're they're purposeful and they send you to war because the the war makes money. And you know, when I look at things like Vietnam or Iraq, I mean just things that shouldn't have happened at all. And it was bad policy and a lot of people died. And that is okay to call out and say, hey, that's not good. We need to not do that anymore. Um, but in the same breath, also be very grateful where you, you come from and the fact that we are freer here than pretty much anywhere else on the planet. And that the the sentiments and the pillars of this country uh, are, are so unique. It really was like an experiment where it was a government run by the people for the people. It was the first time that it wasn't just a monarchy or an emperor and that there were checks and balances and there wasn't any one man, woman or baby that was in charge of everybody else. So, I mean, of course, there's leaders. You have to have leadership. But, you know, when you have the judicial system checking, the legislative branch checking, the executive branch. You know, we're doing the best that we can. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but uh, I'm proud of this country, of its history, some of it, not all of it, not all of it. Slavery, very, very bad. Um, But you got to say, listen, it is better here than pretty much anywhere else on the planet. And a lot of people recognize that. And that's why you see such a a, a vibrant mosaic of, of people and cultures here. You, there's Chinatowns and there's Chabad's and there's mosques and there's lots of, you know, Spanish music at the Dunedin Causeway. Like we got it all. And we should be proud of that. 81390. Bubba, there were a few things I wanted to talk about that are, you know, shifting gears. And again, feel free to call in uh, 81390 Bubba about the political, geopolitical situation going on in the Middle East and, and what you think we should do about it. Is it is it America's job to intervene in every fucking conflict on the planet? I would argue no. You know, and, and even coming from a bias, and I'll admit it, it's a biased perspective where, you know, I was born in Israel and... Jewish culturally and ethnically, although non-practicing. But that doesn't mean I don't have a connection to the place. I mean, my parents have friends who currently live there. Obviously, we had one call in on Wednesday. Or was it Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. Um, and so they certainly have a connection to Israel. And I certainly have a connection to Israel. But I also want to be level-headed and go, listen, it just just because this is somehow closer to home for me, doesn't mean it's necessarily in the best interest of America to get involved. You know, I had Ukrainian friends that I knew from high school that were going on and on on social media about how, you know, the United States needs to get involved in Ukraine. It's like, 
I get where you, you want to help your own. I get it. But also, I mean, you got to think logically. Is this another conflict that America needs to get involved in? And the answer to that, at least what I think the answer to that is, is I don't know. I don't know. We've been involved in a lot of wars over the last two decades. Um, proxy and otherwise, you know, we get out of the Cold War, which, you know, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, we get out of that, the USSR dissolves, and then 9-11 happens. And we get involved in in two very long wars that should have been over um, long before the, you know, horrific withdrawal, an embarrassing withdrawal back in, I think it was summer of 21. I can't believe it was like over two years ago now. Uh, which was really embarrassing, and a lot of lives were lost, not just in the withdrawal, but also in the in the conflicts that persisted. And, you know, I, I think I'm particularly interested in the Iraq War and the scandal surrounding that and how that was pitched to the American public to try to garner support for that war specifically, because that was really a leap of logic. Because, again, I, I was not, admittedly, I was not very involved in what was going on. I wasn't paying attention. Even in college, I wasn't. And I wish that I was because I feel like I would have been farther ahead. You know, had I been as dedicated to the cause, and by the cause, I mean just educating myself now as I was back then, I feel like I would have just had a, a larger breadth of knowledge and I would have remembered more because there's so much of like the past in my early 20s and late teens where I just don't really remember things happening because I I would get it like second, third hand, you know. Oh, did you hear about this, that, the other? I personally wasn't like seeking out the information myself and I, I regret that. 1999 from Kevin. Kevin O'Keefe, thank you so much. Always so supportive. You know, Reaches out on Cameo every once in a while. Kevin, I appreciate you. Who also watches my podcast that I do with, uh, with Will and the Homemade Broadcast. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m., just saying, uh, shameless plug. But, um, yeah, so the Iraq war is, I, I wish I would have paid more attention to that in real time. But I was young. I was like, what, 2004, I was 19. And I just didn't really care. I wish I could say that I did. I was just like, well, I guess we're just fighting the bad guys, whatever. But now I'm just like, what the fuck? How is How are we so bamboozled to get on board with going to another country why were we there? You know, the weapons of mass destruction. It's now come out that there were no weapons of mass destruction at the time that we went in there. Or if there were, they were never found. And how we bamboozled not only Americans, but, you know, much of NATO. There were British forces there. Um, I don't I'm sure there were French forces there as well, but it was mostly uh, American forces. And we decided we needed to go in there and for what, you know, and, and let me now we're having this discussion about, you know, the oil and maybe that was the goal, but it doesn't seem like we really extracted much oil from Iraq. I guess the plan was for more and it just didn't happen. Maybe that's what it was. But uh, so the Iraq war really intrigues me because that was I mean, we I think we we did some bombing in Afghanistan pretty close after 9-11 happened because the Taliban were essentially housing and protecting Al Qaeda because they're, you know, both, uh, you know, into the Muslim thing. And um, but then Iraq, although a Muslim country and although Saddam, Saddam was a piece of shit, really had nothing to do with uh, with 9-11 whatsoever. So why the fuck were we sending Americans over there? And, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not seizing, but. uh can't think of the word right now. Occupying. There it is. Occup- I was in there occupying the country uh, that really had nothing to do with it. And, you know, there's really two major schools of thought when it comes to the Iraq war, which were a it was for security, you know, to protect American interests and uh, against weapons of mass destruction. And I guess like some sort of control in the region. whatnot. And then the other schools thought is the. Uh, hegemony right like we needed to look big and strong because we didn't look very big and strong when the the superpower of of the world was taken to its knees by 19 you know islamic militants that you know hijacked planes and flew them into the world trade center the pentagon and um and sadly that 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 field in in pennsylvania so um yeah it just seems like it was a completely 
uh, it was it was a war fought for who knows what. I mean, I think it, in the ballpark of like half a million Iraqis died and uh, several thousand American soldiers died. They didn't even know why the fuck they were there. The Americans didn't. They, there was the weapons of mass destruction. And I remember just I even remember asking, I'm like, wait, why are we in Iraq? And I remember asking this like God, we were probably already there for like five or six years. Or asking my dad, like, what, well, why, what is it? What's the connection? Like, it just, it wasn't super clear, right? But it was like, there, we have to stop them because that's, that's where the hotbed of Islamic terrorism is. Ironically, it became a hotbed. But you know that we need to stop them because if we don't, there's going to be another nine eleven. So um, there's some, some quote by Donald Rumsfeld. I don't know it by heart. I think it was clearly off the record where it was like, we need to show we're big and strong by blowing up some shit. And Afghanistan is too small of a country and too weak of a country to really demonstrate our our dominance and our power. So we need to take a country that is Iraq, which is like a middle size, you know, uh, uh, threat, I guess you could say, where it's like because if you start picking on like Kuwait or Qatar, it's like, okay, wow, big bad boy going after this one of the smallest countries in the region. Not too impressive. But if you go after like someone, uh, a formidable opponent, then you can resume having the respect and the fear uh, of the rest of the world. So I think that that was the goal. Wow. I didn't know I was going to go on an Iraq war tangent here. I know we're talking a lot about Hamas and Israel, but all these things are connected is what I'm learning. 81390-Bubba. Uh, I did want to discuss this briefly. Oh, no, it wasn't the Fred Durst thing. Oh, come on. Where is it? Give me a chance. All right. This is kind of like a devastating story in a different way, in a different way. Better, right? It's like now I have um, these sorts of stories are more palatable. Like, oh, a mom hung herself because she wasn't allowed to see her kid. And the kid, she thought the kid, the, the, the hospital thought the kid had a fake disease and the mom was just doing it for sympathy and empathy. Um, and the mom kills herself, you know. Maybe last week that would have hit me a lot harder. But now I'm like, all right, I mean, it's not good, but, you know, shit could be worse. No one was beheaded or burned alive. Like, it's sad that that's now the spectrum I'm working on. Like, wow, a lot more palatable. But um, so this story is a, a person on Reddit posted. And so who knows how true it is. But it's it's interesting as a thought experiment. It says, I took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% that bitch. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I took a DNA test. My son isn't my biological child, but should I tell him? Now, the child is two years old, so that's kind of hard to tell a two-year-old child. But I actually did see, it was like a YouTube short. And again, who knows how true it is. But some guy was online talking about how um, he had his daughter had to get a a paternity, I don't know. He somehow comes to find out that his oldest child out of four is not biologically his. And so he then takes it upon himself to see, you know, how far down the rabbit hole this goes. Turns out, and again, I don't know how true the story is, but turns out that all four of his children were not his. Um, They were not related to him. So, you know, what do you do at that point? Um not that you could really turn reverse course with a two-year-old, but it's probably easier to turn things around when the kid's real little than it is when you've invested 18 years or more. You know, there's been horrific stories where, you know, people find out 30 years later, you know, they're 30, 35 years old. They usually it happens when they are trying to find a match like for a kidney or something like that. And then turns out they're not related. Oops. Mommy stepped out of pocket and fucked somebody else. And she got, you know, the, what do you call it? Not the, uh, I don't want to say like the beta, but she found someone to take care of that kid. Which in in the world of biology and reproduction, that's pretty much the sucker's deal. Is that as a man, you get stuck raising someone else's kid. You know, thinking that they're your own, investing all of your time, energy and resources, bringing home the bacon, going to work nine to five or, you know, maybe you have multiple jobs trying to provide for your family, which you think is related to you. And then it turns out they are not, you know, in in the game of biology, that is a huge, huge L. That's the end. That's a dead end. That's a 
that's a, a genetic cul-de-sac, if you will. So I'm curious to hear from you guys. What would what would you do if you found out that your child was not related to you after, you know, X amount of years? Would you abandon mission? Excuse me. Would you reverse course? Would you maybe divorce your wife and then continue loving the child as if it were your own because you've grown such a a close connection and bond to that child. Um, I'm curious to know what, what you would do because as a woman, it's like, well, you know which child is yours. Unless, of course, they get like switched to birth or some sh- weird shit like that. But for the most part, like, you know who the dad is or you think you know, and you certainly know it's yours, which is what really matters to people. People are very concerned about who is related to them. And for good reason. It seems like, why? Why should it matter? It's still a child. It still needs love. It's not their fault. Just raise it as as if it's your own. I hear a lot of people say that, like, why is it a problem if I'm a single mom? Like, I need to just find a guy who's willing to take on this baby like it's his own. It's like, yeah, that would be a very nice gesture. That, That would certainly be a very, very nice gesture. But it should never, ever, ever be an expectation I think, you know, I mean, if someone knows your situation, they know you got a kid from a previous engagement and they're cool with that. Great. Happy days. No problem. But it should never be like an expectation if you are a woman dating after, you know, you got a kid, maybe you're a single mom that, you know, you should expect someone to if they're interested in you, that they should also just be completely on board with taking care of a child that that is not theirs. Again, it it would be very nice of them to do that, but it should never be an expectation because that's not their kid. And different people feel differently about that. You know, um, some people, you know, don't care. Maybe they themselves don't want kids and they don't mind that you had a kid from a previous engagement. But a lot of people do because having a kid, obviously, is a huge commitment with time, finances, money, uh, care, compassion, just mental space, uh, time worried about the kid, whatever the, whatever the case may be, it is a huge commitment. And so, you know, again, in the game of biology, which we are all driven, have biological drives and instincts, the, the instinct to invest in a child that is not your own is, is really, you know, not favorable. If we, if we were indiscriminate in the environment in which we evolved about who we invested in, then our own, we wouldn't have survived. We wouldn't have, um, continued our genealogical lineage because we would have just been like, oh, I'll just invest in anybody. Well, then your genes really don't get into the next generation. And if they do, then they don't get to the age of reproduction where they're able to reproduce and the gene line carries on. So uh, it, it makes sense that you should be very in tune to who you are related to. And oftentimes in uh, in evolutionary sciences and stuff, when especially when we talk about the the kind of uh, what would you call it? The evolutionary quandary, I don't know, uh, quagmire of suicide. Seems to be very strange. Like most living things have an impulse to survive and reproduce. Like those are the two main drives, biological drives in any organism is to survive. And then next is to reproduce. And it seems like everything that you do behavior-wise, foraging for food, whatever, is is always geared towards those two things or both at the same time. You know, women are often interested in men that can provision for them, that can provide for them. Why? Because it helps them survive and takes care of their young. And men are very interested in what women look like because they want a woman who is, um, you know, attractive and young so that they can are better apt to carry their uh, young to full term. And also men are very interested and and pay attention to loyalty. Right. They want a woman who isn't going to stray and possibly get impregnated by somebody else because then you run into problems like I aforementioned a few minutes ago that you then get stuck raising a child that's not yours. So again, biology uh, means something, but I'd like to hear from the people if you'd like to call in and and, and weigh on on the subject of DNA testing. If you find out that someone is not 
related to you, does that then change your feelings towards them or should you just overcome your biology um, and overcome your evolutionary uh, impulses and desires because that's a better way to be? 81390Bubba. I briefly mentioned uh, suicide. Suicide is something that, I mean, it's very bad in mental health and, you know, I don't want to yada, yada, yada over suicide, but I will because it's not that I'm, listen, my interest in suicide it's bad. Like, don't do it, obviously. And call the helpline, the hotline. I forgot what it is. Uh, 1-800-DON'T-KILL-YOURSELF. But uh, it, it's from a biological standpoint, it makes absolutely no fucking sense. Like, and when you talk to people who are evolutionary biologists, they don't really understand why it happens. There's lots of theories, but it just seems so antithetical to a living, breathing organism to um, self-delete. Like, why the fuck would you do that? And I think oftentimes the answer is, you know, a broken brain. But then why don't you really see the same amount of suicides happening in other uh, animal populations? You know, you don't really see chimpanzees killing themselves. I have not really done my research on this, so just kind of go with me. Uh, maybe there are other animals that do that or if they're really old and, you know, if you're really old and, I, you know, I know that there's a place. I think I learned this from the Lion King, you know, really uh, academic resource. Or like the elephants go to a place to die, but they were going to die anyways. But they they know they're not they're not fighting to stay alive anymore. They're just allowing themselves to die. A little bit different than self deleting, obviously. But the 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 most mm, comprehensive and I guess like the best argument for suicide. I not argument to do it. Not that I'm saying the the reason why it exists, especially persists, especially in the human population is they talk about inclusive fitness, right? And it makes perfect sense when you talk about, you know, coming full circle, about Hamas, say, where you're more valuable dead than you are alive. Well, you're dead, but maybe your kids have a better chance of surviving if you kill yourself for whatever reason, right? You kill yourself for the cause and your your family gets a few few grand because, you know, they don't have a dad anymore and maybe that money you would never have seen had you been alive and another mouth to feed. So this idea of inclusive fitness is, listen, I'm going to self-delete because I'm such a burden on my family or I'm more valuable dead. And so that is the only way that evolutionary biologists have been able to kind of like explain away suicide and why it exists and persists. Um, so it's an interesting discussion, interesting topic. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Who's this? Hey, this is Nick from Iowa. Hi, Nick from Iowa. Thank you for calling in today. Hey, it's nice talking to you, Anna. Like the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, your topic on the suicide and everything. Yeah. You know, my I kinda know a lot about that. My my dad passed away and he uh, of suicide and mm. it just I'm really sorry to hear sucks that sucks and everything. Yeah. But he was uh he he told me we would always talk about politics and stuff, and mm -hmm. he told me with this whole Israeli-Palestinian thing, he goes, as soon as those Palestinians learn to love their kids as much as they hate the Jews, mm. we'll be fine. But right now, they hate the Jews more than they love their own kids. That's a really interesting and, point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, man, all that stuff that's going on over there is, like, so horrible. And, ugh. Yeah. It, it sometimes it's easier just to not look, you know, because it is such it's so depressing and you can't really do anything about it. And maybe you don't think that the best option is to go in there and and use American soldiers and risk American lives. And I completely understand that, even though I feel deeply connected to the region. And it also is kind of beneficial that Israel can hold its own. Right. It's not Ukraine begging for, you know, begging for shit because they don't have anything of their own. Like Israel is a, is a force to be reckoned with. So that kind of gives me a little bit more sure. peace of mind. Yeah. Don't you think don't you think at this point most of the terrorists are down in those tunnels and a lot of those bombs most of the terrorists are probably in hiding right now, right? I mean, I would assume so. They're probably not in plain sight. Um but yeah. but with the terrorists with the terrorists I imagine are the hostages. So, we're kind of in a little bit of a situation it seems where it's like, okay, we're leveling Gaza, but if the the goal is to save hostages. I don't know how they're doing that, but you know, they got, they, I think they got SEAL Team 6 on the ground. I, I know there's a lot of special forces out there, so you know, I'm I'm just, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping for the fucking best, which is all you can really do at this point. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. How do you think that the United States is handling the withdrawal of the American citizens? I hear they're having them sign promissory notes that they're going to have to repay their travel costs. Say that again. And all that money that's going to Ukraine right now, and it's like, what in the hell is going on? Wait, what? What? What did? You, what was the first thing you you said? Oh, they, they. I read this morning that they're having a lot of the people that are being evacuated signing promissory notes, so they're going to have to repay their travel costs. Evacuated from where? Israel. Oh, okay, not in Gaza. You're talking. Okay. No, but the Americans oh. that are stranded in Israel right now, they're talking about they're going to have to repay their travel costs, and I'm thinking we're sending oh. all this money to Ukraine, and, yeah. and geez, look at the people in Hawaii. They're getting being left behind. Yeah, that's just, a weird situation. I I, really I don't really I didn't to be honest with you I didn't really do a deep dive into the Maui fires. It just seemed really odd the things that were coming out. It was like there's this been this massive fire, lots of people are dead, maybe even over a thousand, and then all of a sudden, like four weeks later, it was like oh it's eighty seven. I was like what? And then I never heard another thing about Maui. So I don't know what the fuck is going on over there. That's kind of a little bit of a, you know, tinfoil hat situation yeah, for me. But I think Zuckerberg and Oprah will probably end up owning a lot of that property. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, well, hey, I don't want to hold you up too long, but uh, like you on the show, and we miss Blitz, too. I know, I know, and I appreciate that. But, but let me ask you this. what happened with any of that. It's just like this big, nobody, you know, nobody that I know that listens to you guys, nobody even knows what happened. So we're all just like, what the hell? I know. And again, he has an Instagram. You can reach out to him. Many of you have his phone number. So, you know, if, if you miss him and you want to say, hey, he obviously would appreciate, um, you know, to hear from you guys. So is, is, is Did Bubba get pissed at him or something? Or I'm sure you can't talk about it, but... There had to have been something that happened. Yeah, maybe. I mean, honestly, they separated. They're doing their own thing. Both are alive and well and healthy and happy. So everything is everything turned out just fine. Okay. Gotcha. All right. right. Thank you. Eight one three ninety Bubba. If you'd like to call in, it's probably time for me to go. Hopefully the uh, the Get Fresh crew is still here. Thank, thanks to uh, Bob Cook and Big Red who are doing work here. Also keeping me safe because they're strapped. Because I would not have done a show without them. You know, I love holidays, but uh, Global Dave Jihad is just not not one of them. You know, I like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and I like Halloween too. Uh, but not, not the Global Dave Jihad. That's not my favorite holiday. Not even close. Not top 10. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you, um, Mike Thurman, uh, Kevin O'Keefe, and Brian from Philly. Thank you guys for contributing. Bubble will be back on Monday, as will I. So stay tuned. Um, Keep well. God bless, but even more so, please, 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 especially today, keep your head on a swivel. Stay safe. We'll see you Monday. Goodbye. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.